Be ready for everything and anything. Every good player has the ability to slow the game down. It doesn't matter what just happened, it's what you're gonna do next. Donut three! One, two, three, zone! This episode is brought to you by Smushball, the official training ball of Zone Sports Academy. How many times do you go to a game and there's no batting cages, no nets, and you only have a field to hit into? No problem. Smush balls are excellent because you can use them for hitting, fielding, catching, blocking, throwing, and much more. Smush balls are the perfect practice ball to use indoors or outdoors, in rain or cold conditions, against fences, nets, and even in basements. We love them for all ages and skill levels. Smush balls, the pliable ball that you can count on. Welcome to the Get Zoned In podcast for coaches looking to improve their skills and knowledge both on and off the field. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, this podcast is for you. We'll be exploring a variety of topics that are relevant and important to baseball and softball coaches, but this advice can be used for all sports and skill levels. Join us as we dive into the world of coaching and learn from some of the best in the business. Whether you're looking to improve your team's performance or just want to make a positive impact on your players, we've got you covered. Let's go and let's play ball. Hello everyone, Duke Baxter here with Steve Nickerack, and we are here for another episode of the Get Zoned In podcast. Last week's episode, we talked about player discipline, creating engaging practices. You can check that out on Apple Music, Spotify, and all podcast platforms. Coach Steve, who do we have today? Yes, guys, fired up for our special guest today. We have Anthony Feltre, the head baseball coach of the Pingree School and the director of our in-house travel program, the Zone Redhawks. Anthony has been a longtime member of the Zone family, starting back in 2002 as a parent of his son, Anthony, who took private lessons here for 14 years. After that, Anthony came on as a coach and instructor and then took over managing our travel teams, ranging from 10U through 18U. He is currently in his third year as the head baseball coach at the Pingree School, where they have won three consecutive division titles with an overall record of 52-23. and 23. Last season, the Pingree School was ranked in the top 10 in the state for the first time in school history, and they won the New Jersey Prep A state championship for the first time ever. Anthony was previously the assistant baseball coach at North Brunswick and the athletic director at both North and South Brunswick high schools. He was assistant baseball coach at Metuchen High School, where he served as the vice principal. Before that, he was the president of the South Brunswick Youth, Youth Association for many years overseeing their rec and travel departments. He's played a key role in our growth over at Zoned, for the, over the recent years, and he's dedicated himself to being both a great coach and a leader for the players on his teams and in our program. We couldn't be happier to have Anthony join the show. Ant, thanks so much for taking the time. Hey, thanks for having me on board. I appreciate it. So, Coach Anthony, let me start off. So what fueled your fire to get back into coaching? I mean, growing up, I was always playing sports. I mean, like, you know, that was one thing me and my dad had in common. We, you know, we watched football games, basketball games, and baseball games. And, you know, as I started playing in high school, you start wanting to go on to, you know, different levels. And I can remember my my career path was trying to play college baseball also. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't a division one player, I was more a division three player. And I was looking at schools and I remember, you know, I got into Villanova and I meant they just won the, the NCAA mm-hmm. basketball championship in eighty five. So it was like best place to go, right? And I got this call from um, Vince Masco at Division Three Baseball at Drew University. And I'm like mom's like, Oh you gotta go. I'm like, all right, so we go there and we get there and he um you know, gives us a free pass to lunch and everything, and we're sitting down there, and I'm really going to go to Villanova just because it's a good place to go watch football, basketball, baseball, you know, stuff like that. And he comes back to me, he goes to me, um, he goes, what can I do to get you to come here? And I'm like, you know, you don't know as a 
where is it? You know, a 17 year old. And he goes, listen, as a freshman, you can have your car on campus. And I go, you know what? I'm in. So that made me choose Drew over anything else. I mean, I tell that story to a lot of people. Not the best answer why you go to a college, but when you get it, when you get a brand new car as a as a senior, you don't want to leave it home and you can't get it as a junior. You know, so that's my story of like, you know, and I went there for you know freshman year, I played, went up hurting my arm a little bit. You know, my parents were like, you know, you're not going to college to play baseball, so we're not fixing your arm, you're just gonna go and study and everything. So, you know, got to go there and stuff. So then, you know, as you know, years passed, I really missed the sports. Like, you know, because that was like the one thing that was like a true passion for me. You know, in working, I used to work at a pharmaceutical company and I joined the the softball team. And the softball team was more important to me than the work, you know? So I became the head coach of like our, you know, our, our company softball team and, and I used to go to work just to play softball. And I kept saying, I gotta do something that's more like this stuff, my passion. So, you know, Anthony was born in 1994, my daughter was born in 1992. So I would say, you know, I started coaching before they got in just so that I can get a feel of it and get to learn some things and see if I really liked it. Um, and then, you know, when Anthony was like five years old, we started doing T-ball, which is very interesting, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we started going that way and I coached him from age five through age 14, you know, once he got into, um, you know, the high school age, I yeah. kind of let him go his own way a little bit and we just did stuff on our own. But, um, you know, it's, it's the passion. That's what it is. It's the passion. So you, you talk about coaching from five U through 14 years old. You've coached a lot of our teams here. You coached currently in high school. What's the hardest age to coach? You know, they all have different issues at each age, you know. I would say it's definitely probably the younger ages is, you know, getting to understand to do certain concepts at a level they can understand. Because, you know, you might want to teach the things differently. You know, everybody learns in a different way, you know, by seeing, by feeling, by doing, and stuff like that. So. I, I was just at the 10U practice the other day, and coming from my high school practice, going to the 10U practice, and you have to go back down and remember, they don't know anything. They don't know the basics, so you have to really back it down, expecting they don't know anything, and allow them to ask questions. So I'd say the younger ages are the biggest thing, but it's also having the passion and the fun for them to keep them going in the game. And like they said, on my practice plan there, I said, the thing was, it's a game, have fun. That was, I had them all read it first, because I want to realize this is a game. It's to have fun. And I think that it's, uh, you know, we talk about this all the time. It's, you have to be a good coach to be able to teach the younger, the younger players, right? Because you have to know a lot of different ways to break it down, right? Like, it's not just, you know, you throw a ball out there and they just hit it and feel it and throw it. It's like, okay, well, he's not throwing strikes, so what do I have to do then? Mm -hmm. Well, he doesn't understand this. Well, how do I break down, down that even to a smaller piece? You know, so I think that... Uh, you know, being able to coach at the different levels, like you said, and then being able to bring it back to the 10U and really break it down from scratch. How do you take some of those skills when you go back to your high school? Do you find yourself kind of doing the same thing of really talking in detail and being able to, you feel like you're a better coach when you bounce from one to the other. It's like, oh, okay, you know, changing your hats must be a little challenging. Yeah, it is, but like, you know, some things like you, you talk to the 10U and you go, man, I could just talk about the high school, my varsity team about the same thing. I mean, right. just like prep stepping, you know, that's simple as that. I mean, you have to do it at every level. Hustling after every ball, you know, I mean, 10U to, to high school, like your second baseman and shortstops have to go after those in-betweeners in the air. And that's the hardest thing at both things. And you got to push them and say, show them they can do it in practice. So you, you talked about coaching Anthony growing up. Um, what was the biggest challenge of, of being dad and also being coach? 
I really wish I, I had uh, Duke's philosophy of back then. I'm, I don't know if you talked about in your past podcast, The Hat Rule. Have you talked about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the greatest thing. Because I think for me, I had a real hard time separating a little bit. Because, you know, for me, when you're the coach's son, you could show no favoritism. Like, you made it so much harder on them. So they had to earn everything. So I think he would enjoy me a lot more if I was coaching him all over again today than when I was back then, you know, um, because I was tough, you know, because you wanted the best for him, but you want to make sure that every other parent realized he was playing it because he earned it. If it's if it's kind of equal, it's like, well, is it daddy ball? Is he getting favorite things? I did not want that. I want to be where he deserved it and stuff. And there was times like, you know, if he didn't do certain things, you know, I'd pull him out of the game right away and, and he would be the first one to sit in games when we were up big because I wanted to make sure people realized if my son can sit, then they all can sit and stuff like that. So that was the hardest thing was just, you know, wanting them, you know, to understand that he, he had to earn what he got. I think I think that's hard, you know, going through that with my kids as well. It's almost like you're almost like unfair to your own kids. And it's like, wait, why are you treating them like so hard? You know, and then the kids having them think, you know, gosh, Dad, what, like, why am I sitting? Why'd you sit me twice and everybody else only sat once? And how come you yelled at me for this and you didn't yell? And it's like, well, and it's like a, it's like an internal struggle, right? Because you're just like, sometimes you're so, that's so capsulated in that mindset of like, well, I just have to make sure that I'm not showing favoritism, that we actually do the opposite sometimes. And to your point, I feel that same way often to where I'm like, ugh, like I was way, like that, I didn't handle that right. I should have been not as hard on him and then it's like at nighttime when they're going to bed you're like all right buddy listen i i know i did this but i i, I should have done it like this or i meant to do this you know just to kind of when you when you self-assess yourself and you know take accountability for yourself it's like uh i didn't handle that right <laughs> but at the time you feel like it is yeah i mean i have a player now that i coach now at pingree who started here at nine is owned and i probably was the same way to him because he's almost like a second son to me a little bit, you know? And now he's going to pitch at Villanova. And there are times I remember being hard on him, like when between the years of 10 and 12 or 13. And, you know, I'll talk to his, you know, his parents about him and saying, yeah, I was tough on him. They were like, yeah, but you made him who he was. So, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of makes it a little bit okay, but you yeah. also feel a little bit more like, you know, hey, maybe I, sometimes you push the buttons too much. But I just have high expectations, you know? And like I talked to a lot of our guys about, Coach Corbin at um, Vanderbilt, he has these like five like things he th- talks about. One thing is called thick skin, you know, right. that you can't take things personally. I just have high expectations, and I want you to do certain things, and I'm very constructive with you. And I always tell the kids, I'm like, listen, if a coach is on you, that means they care or they know you can do it. You should worry when a coach doesn't talk to you. That's when you should be like, oh, he doesn't like me and stuff like that. And so we talk about that having thick skin and constructive criticism, but I'm also like, as soon as you do something right, I'm praising you right away. So it, there is a you know other side to it and stuff like that. Yeah. So and that's part of you know you mentioned developing over the years as a coach. We've all, we were all coached hard. I was coached hard. I was screamed at. I was benched. I'm sure you were. And I think it made me a better player. And you know you mentioned earlier seeing, hearing, feeling. Everybody's got to be coached different ways. And I think as we grow as coaches, we start to realize that everybody needs to be disciplined in different ways too. Like you mentioned that player, I'm sure you can get on him and he can fuel it to, you know, fire or use it as fuel to fire him up. And then somebody else you might get on with that same intensity and they go into their shell. Yeah. And plus it's different ages. Like we're in our, my high school varsity game, my starting left fielder, Immaculata, 
The first ball is a soft fly ball to him that he should have caught, but he lets it drop, and it grows by him. And he just turns around and looks at it. Like, doesn't even move after it. So he came in, I took him right out of the game. I mean, at the varsity level. At the youth level, I'm not doing that. You know what I'm saying? So it's a little bit different, you know, and stuff like that. So at the youth level, I'm saying, hey, you got to go right after it for certain reasons. You know, it's okay you missed it. But, you know, those are little differences between a varsity team and, like, a 10-year-old team. You have to treat them a little bit different. I think this is a, this is a good question is, what's the difference between your post-game speech, what you would have given 20 years ago when you were coaching, compared to your post-game speech now 20 years later? Knowing what you know, because realistically, right, the way that we were coached is the way that we coach. Yeah. Like you, how your parents parent a lot of times you parent the way that you were parented and then you learn things and there's maybe things that you like and don't like so i think in the beginning phases we do what we know so and what we've been taught and then as years go on you're like hey i'm doing this or i'm adapting this style i'm at so can you talk a little bit about how you've you know if things have changed at all or what has changed over the years of what that post-game speech sounds like after a game. Yeah, I would say like when I first started years ago, it'd be very negative. It would be very forceful. Right. Um, where nowadays, you know, it's more positive. I pick out the positives of the game. You know, I try to like, you know, not, I'll talk about the negatives at practice the next day. Because, you know, they know they lost. No one's happy. But like, I want them to go home with something that they feel positive about and stuff like that. So my, my game, my post talks now are a lot shorter when we don't win. And it's more about positive stuff we did and things we just have to say, hey, tomorrow we'll come back to work and we're going to work on a few things. And then in practice, I'll, we'll, we'll probably break it down. That's good. That's awesome. I mean, that's awesome because you're coming from a player's perspective. I always wanted to play for a coach that believed in me and wasn't going to ride me. I didn't want to walk around on eggshells. And there's a lot of coaches at, at the highest of levels, your level of high school baseball and even college, where kids are so afraid to fail, it ends up hurting their performance. So I think ending it on a positive note, like you mentioned, we talk about it all the time. Like kids, especially at the youth age, they're worried about what they're doing after the game, where they're getting ice cream, what they're doing with their friends, whose pool party are we going to. They could care less about the missed cut and relay in the second inning, you know, where it eats us up for hours after the game. So I think it's so important what Coach Anthony just said about keeping it short, keep, keeping it quick, and then, you know, taking notes so you know exactly what you got to do in practice the next day. And I think the failure piece is, you know, important because I try to tell our players it's okay to fail like I put the failure on me like I give like we went to a new running system this year that we got from one of a, another high school coach and I said that you have the green everybody on the team has a green light there are certain absolutes we do and everybody has the green lights and I said if you get thrown out it's my fault because I'm giving you the green light to go on certain things and telling you that you can go uh, we have not been picked off once this year, and we got thrown out once this year. And we've been stealing about eight to nine bases a year. Um, so that's being aggressive and not being on eggshells. Eight to nine bases a game. A game, a game, a game, a game, a game. Yes, a game, yes. Wow. Um, you know, and that's against some really good, really good catchers. Right. And even hitting-wise, like I'm telling them, hey, I want you swinging swing an I don't care if you swing and miss, but be aggressive. You know, you have to have that yes, yes, yes mentality. Um, and I say, like, you know, Babe Ruth said, you know, don't let the fear of swinging and missing, you know, f give you the fear of, of being successful, you right. know? I mean, go out there and, like, I don't care if you fail, but fail aggressively, don't fail passively, like, you know, and stuff like that. There are some people who will get up there on, an, like, a 2-0 count and have a very defensive swing and a weak round ball. And I'm like, well, 
that doesn't make sense. Just go out there and swing. I mean, what's my two-strike approach? Only two-strike approach I have is move a little closer to the plate and give me the same swing. Because if they come inside, they might hit you. That's a free base. And we cover the outside pitch because you know those umpires like that outside pitch when it's a two-strike count. So, How would you say your coaching style has changed over the years, right? Because there's, there's a lot of technology now. So maybe what you were teaching years ago has changed now. Can you talk to the coaches out there about the importance of being coachable themselves yeah. and staying up with the new, the new trends or just a different way of, of speaking to players? Can you talk a little about how, how do you stay ahead of the curve and you know, have you utilized some of the, the newer styles and techniques into your training and coaching? Yeah, uh, there's a, like I said, technology now is, there's so much out there. I mean, just like video is so much that I think that's how they change, like how we actually hit and stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, the theory of hitting down the ball versus launch angle and stuff like that. You know, I think all our players hit the same way. It's a thought pattern that's different. Like, mm -hmm. they'll say like, you know, like Mike Trout thinks of hitting, you know, hitting hard ground balls up the middle and catching them correctly. Um, Aaron Judge thinks about dropping the barrel behind him. A. Rod was thinking, stay on top of the ball, right? But if you watch all their three swings, they're pretty much similar. So the thought is different. So thought to what you see is differently, but the technology allows you to be able to work certain things. But also, we talk about technology also could be a detriment to some people because, like, you have so much out there that you can overload you know, coaches and players with just technology. And sometimes it's like, see ball, hit ball. You know, go back to the old time and just right, yeah. and do your thing. Because like I say, when you're, when you're in the game, what you're thinking about is being on time and putting a good swing on the ball. You can't think about anything else because if you are, you're not gonna have a successful at that. And it's just about confidence. That's good stuff. Um, you know, one of my questions was talking about how we, here at Zone, we pride ourselves on developing as coaches and we're trying to always get better. And for those of you guys that don't know Coach Anthony, he's the epitome of that. You know, he, he'll be in here watching videos and studying and, you know, back, going back five, six years ago where I'd come in and I'd look at his computer and he's got, you know, different philosophies going. So he has been somebody that is always trying to develop and stay up with, with the new trends. Um, and I love your point there about, like, hearing about what guys think about in-game. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's so interesting. I, I have a kid that's eight years old that wants to hit like Aaron Judge, but he's not 6'8", 280. Like, it doesn't work. Like, Aaron Judge can miss hit home runs. So, um, you know, I think it's a lot of asking questions. It's a lot of getting into their head. You know, what are you thinking about at the plate? And then, and then going from there. I mean, everybody's different, you know. Um, confidence is the biggest thing. Confidence is the number one thing when you're hitting. Um, I was listening to something like um, Josh Donaldson, I think, was on ESPN, saying how we should never hit down the ball because we don't get paid to hit ground balls. That's in the major leagues, you know what I'm saying? That's totally different than high school baseball, you know, and stuff like that. So I think you have to take a player for who they are and what they can do and adapt to it. So everybody doesn't have the same style. I mean, there are some guys will hit differently a little bit, but you want to make them the most successful they can be and, you know, tweak certain things that will help them and stuff like that. So. So, so as a coach, you're obviously looking for the best players right, that you can get them to, to be on your team, hit hard, throw hard, field well, all those things. What are some of the intangibles that you look for in an athlete, in a baseball player, besides their exit velo or their throwing velocity? What are some other things that, that coaches should be looking for when they're looking for players that really make a difference at the next level or at any level? The biggest thing for me is grit. 
being able to compete. Um, we talk about, you know, when you're facing that pitcher that's that good, how do you compete with two strikes? Can you foul a ball off and stuff like that? Will you do anything possible you're going to make that play? I mean, grit, I think, is like the biggest thing that I look for in a player. You know, hustle on and off the field, leaving it on the field, the biggest thing. The other piece is having that even keel of a attitude. You know, it's like I call Derek Jeter probably the epitome of this, you know, like the most competitive player, but also the most even keeled player. You never knew if he was doing great or poor. You know, he's always blowing that bubble on the top step, you know. Um, but he was also also that teammate who was the first one out there to congratulate, you know, the person hitting their first home run as a rookie and stuff like that. So I want our players to pick our players up as well. So I'm looking for teammates that can play as a team and not so much I. Runner on third base and there's no outs. I know you want to get a single, but I'm asking you to give me a ground ball a second to score the run with the, when the run is back. Because for our philosophy at Pingree, is pitching and defense. Um, you know, my record this year is 12 and 10. And I told our pitcher, or our team, if we score four runs a game, we'll win most of our games. If we would have scored four runs a game, our record said 12 and 10 would have been 20 and 2. And that's just a player giving themselves up to do the certain thing. And that's the hardest thing because you know, they always look at batting averages, you know, versus quality of bats. You know, an RBI ground out is more important to me than an RBI single where you have nobody, you know, or a single with nobody on and stuff like that. So I think, you know, I'm looking for more, you know, grit, hustle, teammate, team player. You know, it puts a team first over individuals. I mean, that's so good because those are the same intangibles you have conversations with when you're trying to help kids get into college. And I think there's such a disconnect from the, the travel world. And I've had the opportunity, I watch Coach Anthony's team play, I watch a lot of the high school teams play in the area, and it's almost a different game. Because when I watch kids play for their high school team, they're doing just that, they're playing for their team. And what can I do to help my team win? And then you see them at a showcase and it's, well, how hard can I throw, how far can I hit it? You know, what's my, what's my 60 time? And then you get to college and you go right back to what was important in high school and it's what can I do to help my team win? So there's a huge disconnect there. You know, how would you help close that gap? You know, you coach our 16U team. So what are those conversations like when you, when you go to a showcase? Is it still what can I do to help my team win today? And Yeah, you know, I've, I, I've talked to a lot of college coaches and they sometimes will say to me, we'd rather see a hard double to right center than yanking a ball to left, pull ball a home run. It's almost the same swing. And I think a lot, like we have one kid on my pingree team this year who looking to play you know, college baseball, and he started going to these showcases, and he got very pull happy. And this year was probably the worst year I've ever seen him hit. You know, And now he's starting to come back to realize, you know, be more of a team player and hit the ball you know, gap to gap. So college, player, college coaches are looking for team players. They're not looking for me, 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 you know? And so, like, coaching the 16Us, they're all talented. They all have the skills to go there. And I just say, listen, go out, do your thing. They want to see how you're going to help them win. Because in college, that's, that's their job. The college coach's job is to win. You know, that's, that's how they make their money. So they want guys who they know they can come out there and help them win. So I tell them, listen, at bat, gap-to-gap doubles, if the ball goes out, great. But, you know, don't try to be that guy that you're not. Because, honestly, you know, in today's world, how many Aaron Judges really are there? There's one. You know? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about parents, right? So you've, 
you know, been through with being the director of the teams and, you know, you're, there's a 175 parents that, you know, are all want what's best for their kids and stuff like that. And now you're in high school, you know, are there, what are the differences and the similarities with, you know, with the, with, with parents, right? I, I would imagine that at the high school level, the parents kind of stay away more than for 10 year old, 10 year old little Johnny. But can you just talk a little bit about how you handle parents as a coach and, you know, talk to the, all those coaches out there that are dealing with uh, the struggles of that. Yeah, absolutely. No matter what team I'm coaching, I always have a parent meeting and put my expectations out day one so they know what they expect. So like, for example, if it's our younger team here, I tell everybody, our 10U team or our 12U, everybody's batting in the batting order. All 12 of us are batting, you know, nobody is sitting there. Um, I might say, hey, if it's a championship game and some kids are struggling, that's where it might go down to 10. But for the most part, we're batting 12. I say, you know, um, playing time is earned in practice, you know, and stuff like that. But I let them know the expectations, 24-hour rules, certain things. I do the same thing at my varsity level. It's the same thing. I run it the same exact way so they know how I coach, what expectations are. But I also know as a parent, which I think this is harder for some of those youth coaches that don't have kids, that... You have that. You want your son to do so well. It's like you own it. You know, sometimes like, mm-hmm. like you feel it so deeply when they don't do well. So, me as a coach, I know that everybody wants their son to do be successful. So, whenever I have a a problem or which doesn't happen often, I always ask, "What can I do for you? You know, what can I do for the player? Because I want to help them. That's the biggest right. thing. And even the playoffs, you know, if things are going on. I'm more talking to guys about. Like more empathy. Like I, I don't like sarcasm is the worst thing we can use nowadays because everybody takes it very, you know, very differently. But if you could be empathetic and understand, this game's hard. We all know that. I mean, it's crazy, you know. And if you could be empathetic and understand where their struggles are, and ask them how I can help you. You know, it's certain things. Because like I had a conversation with my high school team the other day. I had one player who, in our game against Hun for in our prep tournament this year, we lost two one, but we had bases loaded with one out. He didn't swing at one pitch the whole at bat, and he took some really good pitches. So yesterday at practice, I asked him, and I said to him, you know, I said, what were you thinking up there? And he really didn't have an answer. You know, I said to him, well, you need to be thinking yes, 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 before the ball's even thrown, you know? So it's kind of like just getting into him and having the confidence in them a little bit and, and talking to him a little bit about, yeah. okay, you've got to be confident. You all can do it, you know? It's like, you know, we're going down to Red Bank Catholic on Friday. We're going to face a pitcher throwing 94. That's pretty hard for high school baseball. Um, so we set the hack, hack attack machine up 85 miles per hour at 50 feet to replicate that. And I said to them, okay, you have to give yourself three good swings against this kid. And they were all hitting yesterday, you know, and they were putting by the ball. And I said, listen, if he throws you three curveballs, tip your hat and go back to the dugout. He won. But I said, give yourself a chance. So it's really about just preparing them and trying to feel confident about themselves and, you know, be, have a little empathy with them. I think that's a, I think that's a great thing that you just said because the coaches out there in that situation, oh, what are we going to do? How are we going to hit this kid? The kids are all going, he throws 94 miles an hour, and they're probably inflating it to 96. So they're already psyching themselves out. You took it on, you know, upon yourself to help those guys get confidence by simulating exactly what was going to happen. And you know, Coach Steve talks about it all the time in games, taking down really good notes. What didn't we do well? What do we need to do so that he's preparing the team for to fix those problems? Yeah. So I think that's great what you said. And for coaches to listen to that, like, 
you have to build the confidence so that when that time comes, when the game's on the line, those kids can go, I've been hitting against X amount. This I've been hitting against this guy simulated all week long. I can hit off him. Even though it is 94 miles an hour, they have a little bit of, okay, I got this. And we all know that getting a, a confident kid out isn't always easy. And the best thing one of the players said to me yesterday was, so I told them we're doing this, and they said to me, listen, coach, at the end, could you throw to us so we get some feel-good BP? And I'm like, sure, right? After he did his first round, he goes to me, coach, you know what? This is more fun. I'd rather just do this, which that was awesome. So that just showed he built his confidence up, he knows he can do it, and he rose to the challenge. So to me as a coach, I think it's something better than that. No doubt. I mean, we talk about pushing our players to failure in practice, and that goes down for you coaches that are 10. 10 you coaches like challenge your players in practice so they understand how to fail and then you kind of teeing them up with okay if you get three breaking balls it's okay right that's, that's baseball but you're going to go in there with the confidence that I can hit this kid I'm going to give myself three good, good chances because the last thing you want is you go up there nervous you got no shot anyway you might as well find a way to believe in yourself a little bit and and give yourself three healthy swings at it and at the end of the day he might get you anyway yeah absolutely all right so coach you, you've coached at a variety of different levels. Um, as the head coach of a, of a travel team and a high school team, how important are your, your assistant coaches and how do you you work with your assistant coaches or maybe at the younger ages, work with your, your volunteer parents on, on dividing and conquering at practice? That is huge. Your assistant coaches are a big part of your, your, your program. Like for me, I was lucky enough this year to get at Pingree, um, the longtime head coach at Lafayette College. and which was nice that he's like one of my assistants. And I kind of said to him, listen, I want to install this new running system. Um, I gave him the video on it and stuff. And I said, I need you to just take it and go with it. And, you know, he, he did it. He took it and went. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I, the guy was the pitching guy. I made sure he took care of the pitchers. I did all the infielders and stuff like that. Um, somebody was the catching coach. So I make sure they all have their own little jobs to worry about. So then when, so when it's game time, I'm positioning the players. Mm -hmm. um, someone's doing something. So we're all having a job and we're all not on the same person and stuff like that. So, but that's even at the youth level. Like we talk about, when you, most people have, most coaches have two coaches per team, right? So we say at the game, okay, one person maybe controls the infield, one person controls the outfield. You know, don't both all jump on the same person, you know, especially on errors because they all, they all, you know, they'll make errors and stuff like that. So, Teaching your assistant coaches what you expect is important to have coaches meetings like I have Coaches meetings prior to my season and talk about my philosophy and let them ask questions So that up front there's never any disconnect within a game or a practice where it looks like you know Coach is saying this coach is saying that and stuff like that So I think it's about being on the same page, but also on the younger coaches is trying to teach them You know, I think it's like I said the younger coaches it's very hard sometimes for them to keep a high expectation for the younger players because they feel like they're being mean. And it's not being mean, you're just expecting them to show them what they can do and stuff like that. That's awesome. I, you know, one of the things that I like to hear is how, you know, when you, when you first started with Pingree, right? So they already had their own culture. They had their own players already set. Now all of a sudden you step into this new role. You're the new head coach. There's, how do you develop the kind of culture? I'm sure it takes time, but how do you install that into uh, a high school team and get them to play the game the way that you want them to play the game. That's always hard. Stepping is a first year coach is, is very, very hard because, you know, you got guys who have been there, you know, three years already who are seniors who, you know, know one way 
and you're trying to you know kind of do it a different way. I think the the difference for me, I think if I would if I would have came in the coach I was 20 years ago, it would have been really hard. I think me coming in this you know the way I'm now, where I come in and I observe a little bit, you know what I'm saying, and you slowly make the changes. It's not just okay, we're going to do a total 180. Yeah. You know, you have to see what you got, learn the personalities of some of the players. You know, some players are going to be competitive on their own. You don't have to push them. Some players, you got to push a little bit. You know, some players, you can do a different way. You have to really, you know, talk to them in a certain way. So you have to learn your players year one when you're coming in, knowing what you got and stuff, and then slowly turn it. And like I said, now the program is mine. They know how it is. They know how we do certain things. I don't even have to, like, say anything. Um, but that's always the toughest challenge coming in and, you know, installing a new system. But I think if you can get them to believe that you believe in them, then it, that makes it a, a, a big thing. Awesome. Awesome. That was great. Well, Anthony, thanks so much. That was great. Uh, a lot of wisdom there, a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge. That was awesome. So thanks so much for being on the podcast with us. Thank you, Coach Steve. I thought that was a great job. Um, a lot of fun. And make sure that you guys go out and dominate the diamond. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening.